Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a... Amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what's happening. Do you remember? In September, that's when Amateur Hour first began. Just two friends talking about the Chiefs. The team was awful, a lot's changed since 11 years ago. Now we have Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, and oh yeah, we want a Super Bowl. You're welcome. It's almost time! That's right. Folks, the show's called Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall, and with me today, my guy, the man, his darkness. Sup, 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 Super Bowl at Supperhead. Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> Super Bowl, Super Bowl. I think that was a uh... big deal. Big deal, huh? Hey, back again. Eh. 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 Who cares? Big deal. <laughs> I can't believe that the Chiefs are going to a third Super Bowl in, in uh, Patrick Mahomes' very short career thus far. Um, man, Dirk, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I know that we're not going to talk much about the Super Bowl, like get into the nitty gritty of the Super Bowl. You're mostly here to talk about the AFC Championship, a game that, Blew my freaking mind. Blew my brains out. Um, that game. Uh, where, 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 sh- where should we start? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to begin today. Uh, fuck if I know, man. I mean, I was a mess during the game. Uh, started nervous drinking, especially in that second half. Uh, oh, I haven't watched the the videos yet from her darkness, but uh, oh, I, I think they're gone. I'll th- I don't think you can watch it now because I don't. I don't know how the stories work, but yeah, um, I was being filmed throughout most of the game. Uh, I had no idea. Uh, apparently, all my volleyball friends are uh, aware of my Chiefs fandom now because I was decked out in Chiefs stuff for, you know, well, the whole season. But they finally just started talking to me about it. Um, but yeah, so they were all like, let let me see what Nick's like on game day because I couldn't watch with my brother because he had to coach his kid's team during the game. So I had to watch this game at home with just the her darkness behind me um and so you know she's she's relaxed back on the couch i am mostly on the ground in agony throughout most of the game uh well not maybe not most of the game the first half i was jumping up and down the whole time uh but yeah 
uh, quite the experience. And uh, yeah, my neighbor's got a good taste of what I'm like during a serious game. I, I got multiple comments from around the neighborhood. People texting me like, was that you running and screaming after the game? Like, uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I've built up quite a reputation, though. I've, I've covered myself in Chiefs gear enough that everybody comments to me now about the Chiefs. I mean, that's that's not a bad place to be. Do you? F- it's not unless you lose to the Bengals again, and then I got to take walks of shame with the dog and just, oh man, what happened? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> well, and I'm sure that there were some moments there, uh, particularly in probably third quarter, eight fourth quarter two, probably. I mean, shoot, it was so close uh, that you were thinking you might be having some dog walks of shame coming up this week. Yeah, I it, I mean, it crossed my mind. I, I, I cannot lie. Uh, so, yeah, let's dive right into it. So we're going to – how I want to do this, I rewatched the game and just kind of relived it because it was – there were so many ups and downs in the second half that it was just like, you know, it started off – Chiefs Chiefs are rolling. I mean, the Chiefs – okay, so they get the ball back in Cincinnati territory. They pick off Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow. Um, <laughs> Joe Burrow. <laughs> Yo, Burrow. Burrow. I think my favorite, my favorite tweet was: I've been I've spent all day trying to figure out how this guy and Jackson Mahomes ever have a father son conversation. <laughs> they gotta have like a translator or something. <laughs> they do have very uh, different energies, if you will. <laughs> yes. Oh man, he was great. He was great. So, Chiefs get the ball. When all right. The, when are we talking? You said second half, right? No, no, no. This is this is late first half. Okay. So they pick off Joe Burrow. They are up 13-3. It's just above the two-minute warning. The Jim um, Watson interception. Yeah, and there's a real good chance, you know, the Chiefs are about to run out the rest of this clock, drive down, either kick a field goal or score a touchdown and go up either 16-3 or 20-3. And mm-hmm. then they're getting the kickoff after the second half. And I'm just like, dude, I mean, I predicted a blowout in this game, so I was like, it's happening. Like, we are about to blow these motherfuckers out. Like, it was – they came out exactly how I expected. They were clearly pissed off about everything the Bengals were saying. Uh, they took Bur- Burrowhead very seriously. Uh, I think every single player mentioned the Bengals mayor af- after the game that that spoke on it. They, they were all very aware of it and took it very seriously. The funniest thing about Burrowhead is that – I don't think they, it wasn't like planned by them. Like I, I did, I saw a tweet at one point. They're like, we're not rallying behind this or anything. It was just them being overconfident after smacking the bills and just one guy running off his mouth to the camera. And that's it. And it served as like a whole rallying cry for the Chiefs team. I mean, they certainly, w- when I think about like the effect, really a uh, visible effect for me of that trash talking, it's the Chiefs going out and having like a three sack first quarter. Um, you know, we talked last week about those numbers for Burrow where he's basically undefeated if he gets sacked four or fewer times. And he's basically winless when he gets sacked five or more times. And when the Chiefs are able to come out and pressure him early in the game like that, feed off the energy of the crowd and the atmosphere, and ultimately all of the, you know, social media motivation, essentially. Um, it it made me feel really confident that they were going to be able to carry that. 
and and then the third well i say that uh even on the third play of the game losing legerious sneed um the the injuries it feels like they played just such a huge factor in my feelings i lost more and more and more confidence as all of these players are hitting the sideline and it's like i'm just it's i'm it, the, the hope that thread of hope is getting so thin and and I was just beside myself. Um, that, please go go ahead. I'm I'm just like I'm still in in awe. Well, yeah, my- I mean, just for the defense <laughs> to play like that and losing their, I mean, second best player pretty much unquestioned um, on the third play of the game, and then to still come out and have that performance is is just unreal. I mean, uh, it, it, you're right, and it's because when you lose Legarius Sneed, you bring in a a now benched that's i'm i'm not trying to be mean but like josh williams took over for jalen watson we i don't know if that totally coincided with the broken hand um but he's no longer a starter and so it's not just like you get to put a veteran out there it's like no now all of our corners are rookies against three this Bengals team. Three yeah rookie corners once i saw that I'm like jesus fuck man like ha like, you know, it's two and you know, the next day that's a rookie. Like I'm aware of all these things, but once you just see it, it's like now the chiefs are out there with three rookie corners. Oh, and who are they playing against Jamar chase and T Higgins? Like, Oh, okay, great. And well, when you know, it was Tyler Boyd, like and that, Tyler Boyd, when he was, was down sneaky, huge injury, because that opened a lot of, of what the chiefs could do in terms of doubling both chase and Higgins. And if they did that, Tyler Boyd was going to be a big problem. As you could see earlier, he picked up a third and 14 uh, rather easily early in the game. And it was just like, I mean, don't forget about him. This is the guy. If you're going to double both those weapons, this guy's going to kill you one-on-one. Like, he can do that. Um, so, yeah, just do that. And then one of those early sacks, just a quick flashback to the first half, when Dana – because the first pressure is from Mike Dana, and he wraps him up, and Joe Burrow escapes from him somehow. And it's this is all we've seen from Joe Burrow. We cannot fucking tackle him. And here it is, immediate pressure right away. Dana wraps him up, and he somehow gets away. And, dude, if he would have escaped and made a play there, it would have just been like, you, you just would have thrown your arms up on the first drive of the game. Here we go again. Here we go again. We cannot tackle this fucking guy for some reason. And luckily, Frank Clark is right there, beats his guy, and cleans up the mess. And And there's a play even before that that also gave them an opportunity to not make a tackle. And it's Trent McDuffie getting chased down on that first play, first play of the game. Where it's like, I mean, that it it wasn't like he he blew it up, right? Chase got four yards four or something, but he tripped him up. And and I mean, look, Trent McDuffie, quite small, shortest arms in the history of first round corners. Um which is funny because he made like a it was on Mixon, I think, and he made a tackle on him, and I couldn't believe that he was able to reach him. And I totally forgot about the short arms thing, but he he, he had the reach there. So I'm good with his arms. I, I thought that the McDuffie tackle and then ultimately um, cleaning that up, getting that early sack like that, um, it it set the tone. Like it, it, it just let it, a, it, it let everybody know, like, we came to play. And, and that was one of our keys to the game, man. How many fucking tackles did our secondary specifically miss against in that regular season game against the Bengals? And honestly, even through a rewatch, 
I don't remember a single defensive back missing a tackle. I saw Bolton miss. He got juked once, and I think he maybe missed a tackle in there. I don't remember a defensive back missing a tackle, and they probably missed. I mean, they missed like five on the final drive of the Bengals in the in the regular season game. So I mean, shout out to the fucking defensive backs who they were. I think they were the reason we lost the last game, and I give them a huge credit. Not the biggest piece of the pie. We'll get to him, but a huge credit for winning this game. Yeah, I mean, all right, so let's get back. Yeah, let's keep moving. So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to run through the game and, and just kind of talk about things along the way, as 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 we do, as we do. So now, okay, so the Chiefs are about to run. I, I'm I'm tweeting out, scary hours. I am, this thing, we're about to roll, roll them over. Like, this is exactly what I was thinking. All of a sudden, Chiefs have an ugly three and out. Bengals have a long field goal drive before halftime. Chiefs get the ball at halftime, three and out. Bengals touchdown. All this happens in seven game minutes. All of a sudden, this blowout that I'm envisioning is now a tied game. And, but that's not it. That's not it. Not only is it tied, because then the Chiefs get the ball back. Within the next three plays, both Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman get injured and go out for the – or actually, Juju comes back in for a few plays, but essentially go out for the game. And Patrick Mahomes re-injures his ankle while rolling left. So all this has happened within eight game minutes. We go from, I think the Chiefs are about to blow them these fuckers out, to all of a sudden, the game is now tied. Three of the top four receivers on the team are out. Mahomes is limping way more than he was early in the game. We're playing a team that we always blow leads against, and we're facing a defensive coordinator who does nothing but make adjustments that own us. And so I'm just like, what happened? Like, we had complete control in seven to eight game minutes later, and all of a sudden, it's just a complete fucking mess. I, um, th- there's a stretch there, and I don't, I don't remember feeling during that period that you just described. Um, I don't remember feeling as despondent as it, as it sounds like you did. Um, I wasn't expecting a blowout. Um, and so that maybe helped, uh, that I didn't have that high. Right. But when the chiefs went three and out after having the opportunity to score, it was on a short field too, I believe sort of oh, on, before halftime. Yes. Yeah. So we, I mean, we're in their territory, like the 40 yard line, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so going three and out, having to punt, I think Mahomes got sacked on that third down maybe, and it like pushed him out of field goal range, but it sounds like maybe they were already out because Butker only was wanting to kick from like 50, 51 ish. Um, But when the defense ended up holding the Bengals to a field goal before halftime, I said, okay, good. We're fine. Oh yeah. I was satisfied. I was satisfied. And every, it seemed like every person on the planet was like this drive after halftime, this first drive is everything like this is going to, this is going to be the game. And it's just, Bop, 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 like, it was it was nothing it was this drive is everything and then that drive was nothing just like yeah. what was that <laughs> what's happening and then you're and then your players start dropping so now it's like holy shit now we gotta figure about how to move the ball like yeah. let alone scoring every drive like how are we gonna score any points so that that drive i think has the biggest play of the game or at least the turning point of the game yeah i'll call it the biggest play of the game so that third and six, this is the play where McColl gets hurt and Mahomes re-injures his ankle. And he's rolling left. Well, before the play, first off, Juju had just gone out on second down. 
Sky Moore comes in for Juju. The receivers are lining up wrong, probably Sky Moore. So they're shifting around before the play, and it's just like a complete mess. And I'm just like, Andy, call timeout. It's too big of a play. You can't just have guys running around. Mahomes rolls left, finds McColl between four defenders, puts it on him. McColl gets hurt. Mahomes re-injures his ankle. But I think that's the biggest play of the game because they go on to score on this drive. But that play was just huge. And that doesn't even include, I mean, not even saying like all of the extracurriculars with it, with McColl getting hurt and Mahomes getting re-hurt. And it's just like that, there was a lot going on on that play. That was, that was huge, huge, huge. So that drive eventually leads to Marquez Waldez Scott Scantling, uh, a guy we have discussed eh, somewhat, but all of a sudden, three of your top four receivers are out. He's up. You're the one left. Um, and on that drive, he goes 25 on like the orbit motion where he comes around on the swing pass, which there's no chance that would have been him if, you know, Tony and McColl aren't hurt. That's, I mean, that's, I've seen him do that all season. It looked like the first time he'd ever done it. He'd probably practiced it, but like it, it was clunky for sure. It, and Mahomes didn't even want to throw it to him. It was, it was kind of like his third read, like coming back to him. Uh, so he picks up 25 there. MVS gets the stretch for the first down on that drive. Uh, that we challenge and 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 pick up. I did not think they were going to change that personally, uh, so I was I was glad to see. And then he eventually gets the third and ten touchdown from Mahomes, making a beautiful play. But just Marquez Valdez Scantling on that drive, man. Uh, the way he showed up in this game, I honestly didn't think he had it in him. They him and Mahomes finally connected on that like corner route that mm -hmm. they have seemingly missed at least five times this season. Like they're always on the wrong page. And this one he puts kind of like on the back shoulder to him and he kind of reaches around. I wasn't on this drive, but earlier in the game, I believe. And he kind of reaches back and catches it on a real nice catch. Um, and just to do this, and he did most of his work against uh, their best corner, uh, against uh, Mike Hilton, um, which seems like the a weird graded defender on either team in the game, Mike Hilton. And Mike Hilton. And people have like they are listening to like the the people that I consider the like the smart football people. Um, I mean, dude, Mina Kimes was like, this is the key to their entire defense. He's fantastic. Like, watch the end of the AFC Championship from last year. He makes a couple huge plays, and it's just like, gotta hand it to him. Like, that's a that's a great play. Mike Hilton's a very good player, one of the best slot cornerbacks. He gave up eight catches on nine targets for 133 yards in the game. Um, and a, a lot of those came from MVS. I don't have those numbers here exactly. Well, and if you look at it, I mean, on a, it, it's a tough matchup for him in the same way that we talked about, like Christian Kirk being tough for Sneed. The build is just not right. Mike Hilton, I think, is 5'9", and MVS is 6'4". Like, it's weird. It's weird. You know, it's, that's going to be a tough matchup for him. Um, I, I think, you know... I saw people saying like MVS, like he earned his entire salary tonight um, and he's definitely going to be back next year. And and I, I don't know about either of those things, um, but I did hear in his post game sound, he's like, I, I, someone had to step up and I was, you know, I was the person that was probably, had to be him. you know, it, it had to be me. Um, and he's, you know, he's talking about, um, how camp and and uh, Sky, you know, were able to step in and do a lot more than they're typically asked and whatever. But he's like, I had to lead the way, and I don't know at what point he realized that. But it sounds like it just would have been on that drive. I, yeah, I mean, with two receivers going out right then. Yeah, 
two two guys go out then and with Tony was already out right yep yep early I he was did, did I hear correctly that he was on he got four plays and I think was targeted on three of them when he left the game Rick and Tony yeah four four snaps I think he only played four yeah. and was targeted on three of those four and then he you know hurt himself with like such a a dynamic cut Oh. It was just wild. I mean, I'm going into the game. I'm like, how the hell are we going to juggle both Tony and McColl? Like, we haven't seen these both guys play. They're both pretty similar. We we do similar concepts with both of them. And then, like, Tony goes down. I'm like, well, that kind of makes it easier. Now we can just use McColl in this spot. I was a little worried about having, like, too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And just, like, Andy trying to do this for him, this for him, this for him. Instead of just, like, no, 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 just, just focus on moving down the field. Just go. Um, so I thought that might have made it easier. But then they both go out, and you're just like, well, well, shit. Um, so then you're down to MVS and Sky and Marcus Kemp. Your only receivers left because Justin Watson is either down because you brought up McColl and you just don't have enough bodies there, or because he was actually sick. I'm totally not. I'm not totally sure there. But you would have killed to have Justin Watson at that point, um, and and we just didn't have. Him. Um, so these are the last points that the Chiefs score until their game-winning field goal. This drive, um, they gutted it out. It was huge. Uh, they actually so they forced Bengals into a three and out. And then the Chiefs are driving again. It seems like they have full control here. And that's when tragedy strikes. That's when Patrick Mahomes just drops the ball. And I and I just like the noise that can't just. <gasps> I, uh, like, I couldn't believe like what? And then he I mean, he's going for it and like hurts his ankle again. And it was just like, holy shit. And I'm not going to lie, man. I. I thought he lost it at that point. Um, not like not like at that moment, but like watching him on the next couple drives, like he doesn't have it anymore. And I was kind of I was having flashbacks to the AFC Championship game from last year, and kind of specifically to that fumble when he fumbles it. Like at the that was at the very end of the game then, but just like it just all kind of ran together. And I, I man, I was so fucking worried. And it just man, I thought we regained control again. I was just like in a safe space, like. Okay, we got this again. Just drive down, get a field goal. Just keep this at a two-score lead. It'll be kind of similar to the Jags game where we just kind of keep them, you know, at a, at a puncher's uh, distance away kind of thing. And that fumble, man, I, I just thought we lost it. I was I was terrified after that. Like, man, is he going to be able to respond to this? Because if there's one thing about Mahomes, he can get in his own head a little bit. And I thought that was a big-time moment for him to get in his own head. And I was terrified. Yeah, I remember, I, I believe that the word that you used was shook. Shook. I think I think you just put it out there like he's shook. And it wasn't It wasn't like right after the fumble. It was like the next couple drives because he just didn't look good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not really factoring in like all his receivers are down, his ankles hurt again. Like, obviously, the circumstances are, are brutal here. I'm just like, I'm solely focused on winning and what Patrick Mahomes is. And I'm just watching like, this isn't Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I didn't really know uh, like where, where to worry because all these guys are out. Like it off, it looks like the offense literally can't do anything. I mean, I, I remember thinking like that whole unit right now is so lost. They cannot run the ball. They're handing it off and gaining like two yards just to keep the clock moving to like kill a play 
to get closer to the end of the game like they because we we don't have anything right now um yeah so in the chiefs running game we averaged 145 in the other three games against cincinnati the games we lost the running backs in this game had 15 carries for 27 yards i mean just couldn't do it, couldn't do it. i i I don't I I th- I think that we got to a point offensively um where it just became clear that like what the defense has done today is already remarkable and and that that moment that we're kind of terrified and waiting for or whatever where like they just can't get the job done because there's three rookie corners on the field and Willie Gay's out of the game too and and like we're just I I'm just kind of you're kind of waiting just waiting for like that moment to happen because you think they're probably gonna run out of gas if the offense can't do anything here and they just showed up and my fear all along is we play close games against this team and always blow it like where are their heads at it the same thing's happening like it's a close game it's coming down to the end this is how we've lost every single game and we're so short-handed like we and we're like sink in on the sideline that they're like we've seen like because if fans are saying I've seen this before. The, then the players are like, "Shit, it's happening again." I mean, I think that like that Mahomes interception, or or I guess three and out, the three and out before halftime, and then punting. If the Bengals drive and score a touchdown as like an, another thing happening right before halftime, I think people are terrified. And and so I, you know, that's a that's one instance of the defense stepping up and saying like, "No, it's not it's not going to be your day." And I don't, do you feel like there was, apart from, and I don't want to skip ahead to the last play of the game, essentially, but apart from that, do you feel like there's a moment from the offense that was like, no, no, we're like, we're going to do this today? Because I felt like it was just kind of puttering along and and Mahomes just taking anything he could get. I mean, let me. Did you see how quick he was to like dump the ball off? Like. He just didn't want to scramble or anything. He didn't he didn't have receivers getting open. So he was just I think they were basically dropping back and he was like praying to just dump the ball off and pick up 6 yards. Like they would have they would have loved to just dump the ball off and get 6 yards of play. They, it, which yeah. is which is funny because that's all <laughs> that's that was the adjustment Mahomes needed to make to the whole too high thing when when he struggles and that he wouldn't take the 6-yard dump off. And now we're at a point in the biggest game here and, and all we have is a six-yard dump-off. We can't do anything else. And, you know, we made a couple plays that Pacheco had, like, a tackle-breaking run with it. Uh, he kind of found Sky more, and he kind of did something with it. Um, so they were gaining little chunks, but it was just, you know, inching along, inching along, and it's just kind of – it had to be the defense, and it had to be, you know, just gutting this out until the end. That was their only option at that point. Yeah, I mean, it felt like just surviving. Like, you know, that it, it reminded me a little bit um, of like a soccer game where a team is like outmanned and completely exhausted and they're just trying to like park the bus at the end and they're just getting peppered with shots for the last five, 10 minutes and they're just trying to clear the ball. Just get it out, just get it out, right? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, I look at this offense, I mean, so Mahomes completes passes to 10 different receivers in this game and listen to the stat lines. 
It's one for four, one for seven, one for nine, one for 13, two for thir- or two for 10, three for 13, two for 17, and then <laughs> Checo, Kelsey, and Scantling. I mean, seven of the 10 guys caught three or fewer balls for at most 17 yards. And I tell you what, they probably needed every single one. There, some of those might have been like wastes where we didn't get a first down and, and we ended up punting or something, but it seems like every single scoring drive, like every, every little inch, they had to have it. They had to have it. It just like scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel to where this just feels like the type of game where like they needed every single yeah, I want to say all of the 53, but I guess it's probably, what, 46 or 7 or whatever active yeah. on game day? 46, I think, yeah. Uh, so if it's 46 guys, you know what? Maybe it's 45. I don't I don't remember Michael Burton. I don't remember him at all. Uh, no offense, Mike. You're, you'll get a ring if we win. Um, but, yeah, no, I, he's the only guy I don't remember contributing. Why aren't we unleashing Michael Burton amidst all the injury chaos? Yeah, line him up wide. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think once Mahomes re-injured his ankle – he was just such a sitting duck back there. And with the receivers that you couldn't really trust that they hadn't worked with, like these, these plays, uh, I think they were just done. I mean, they they had all their, I mean, look at like the last drive that swing to Pacheco. Mahomes never has any idea to do anything else with it. He drops back. He tries to go to him at first and he can't really get it to him. He kind of like double pumps to him. And that's just to like gut out, like, I think it's four yards and like, Here's four yards and burning a timeout. And that was like all we had. That was that was all we had. It's like, here's our play. Pacheco, break some tackles or something, please. Like, that was another reason, like, going to overtime would have been brutal, man. Like, we were just limping along, and we were on our last gasp. Like, going to overtime would have been very tough for this team to come back. And that was that was one of the other fears as this thing is winding down. Let's move along a little. Go ahead. Actually, I'll get to it situationally. Okay, let's go. Um, so at this point, so the Bengals convert on the fourth and six. They throw it up to Jamar Chase. Uh, very nice play. Uh, very distraught for me with, with double coverage going on and not being able to break it up. They score a touchdown, tie it up again. Um, and then the Chiefs have the super ugly, and this is where I'm talking about Mahomes getting shook. This is specifically it. The super ugly, you know, seven play, third and nine upon, let's call it. Um, so we get that play that gets replayed. Um, let me just say, let's talk on the refs a little bit. I would have lost my fucking mind if that play went against us. Like, like if we were, if I was a Bengals fan and watched that, I would have lost my fucking mind. And it honestly, it kind of took me out of the game. Cause I was just like, uh, this doesn't feel right. Uh, and we didn't get like a replay. We didn't know, know what was totally going on. We eventually did. And you can kind of see that it's legit. Like that ref is running in and I think he just wasn't using his big boy voice or using his big boy whistle or something, but there's no signs of him during the play. The whole play happens. It ends and and it's whatever. And then you finally see a replay. It's, it's a while later and you see like, Oh, okay. So this guy's running in. It's because they ran the clock and they shouldn't have run the clock. That was the reason. Um, the funny thing here for me, uh, well, first off, it was just weird it was weird being on that end of it and having like that big of a break go your way. Like I just wasn't used to just like, uh, like it felt weird watching those next set of plays. And then they call it a penalty on the follow-up play. And it's just like, Oh my God, even though it's, that was clearly a holding. 
Um, it was just, it was, it was tough. Um, one of the weird things that play could have just as easily been a chief's 40 yard game and they would have had to replay it. Like whoever won that play, they would have had to replay it and that team would have felt screwed. So that could have just as easily gone against the chiefs. And it just so happened that it was a Bengals stop and it went against them. This felt like to me, um, especially like once you end up seeing the video uh, and, and if you if you haven't, if you don't even care, because whatever we won, um, the the ref that is on the sideline is like sprinting into the play before it starts. He's running onto the field, trying to stop it, and just nobody notices that he's doing it. Um, yeah, you couldn't. You had to stop it. I mean, you had to replay it. It's it's clear that he was blowing it dead. So at that point, you can't have that play count. It was just weird, very weird in the moment. Well, and it's, and I, I mean, look, it's tough when we say no one caught it, it, that includes the broadcast because like, it's just, it was like the announcers didn't know what happened either. No one's well, yeah. to catch it. it. None of their cameras, apparently no one's communicating. And so it's like, even sitting at home with all of the advantages of, of television, we don't know what's going on. Well, and Romo and, first says they're, they're going for it. They're coming out to go for it. It's like, yeah. it's fourth and nine on our side of the field. <laughs> like, is Andy lost his mind? Yeah. What's happening here? Uh, yeah, I had a buddy at the game texting me relentlessly, like, nobody knows what just happened. What What is happening? Like, what What just happened? Like, I'm sure, like, the, the announcement was just like, I'm sure he was trying to get off the mic as soon as he could. But yeah, he didn't people do People in the stadium, no clue what was going on. Nobody had any clue. I mean, I, and I was, if I was a Bengals fan, I would have just been standing and shouting at the TV, for the next five minutes. I mean, if not the next, the rest of the game. So I, I get why they'd be pissed off. That would just put me in a salty mood so that anything that even remotely goes against you the rest of the game, you're going to be fucking pissed off. So, I mean, I get it. I mean, I don't, I don't like all the bitching and stuff, obviously afterwards, but I would have been fucking furious during the game. If I was a Bengals fan, I'll be honest. It, it was, it was such a weird sequence of events, having the play, go to fruition. And then we've got the fucking punt team out there. It's like, it took the refs five minutes to even, you know, decide that, Oh, Hey, this is what we have to do. It's like, they weren't, it's like, you know, this, this ref has got to be like the new guy. He, cause he, he runs on the field and nobody sees him. And then he tries to go get the attention of the other refs, but they're marking the spot and they're like, nah, nah Hey, it's give me a minute. It's fine. They're just ignoring him. And it takes him a long time. To get him to pay attention to him. Um, I I totally agree that if as a Bengals fan, I'm seeing that unfold, I'm like, you, you know, but honestly, as a Chiefs fan, I've had plenty. All right. I had plenty <laughs> yeah. of, of those kinds of penalties or weird circumstances happen. And not just in the regular season, folks, in crunch time of playoff games. And how about, oh, I don't know, D Ford lining up a few inches off sides uh, in a deciding play of an AFC championship game. That would have put Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, look, I well, I mean, that's a, that's at least a guilty person. I mean, we had like the roughing the passer. We had the oh, the uh, Chris Jones roughing call, the passer. The, the, uh, the holding call against the Steelers on the two point conversion, which is bullshit. Uh, uh, I mean, nine, back to nineteen ninety seven forward progress. Forward progress. I mean, come on, like there's we've, there's some we've seen some things. Some <laughs> yes, we have seen some things here in Kansas City. So you know, not m like not much. 
you know, sympathy for the Bengals, really. And not to mention, against the Bengals, we've seen some things. Like, it's mostly the regular season game from 2021. Like, just the end of that game was just, like, absurd with with multiple redos and everything. Obviously, that game's not as important as this one. Uh, but breaks have gone the way, the Bengals' way uh, in this in, in recent history against them. Um, so while the, all this is going on, the Chiefs have seven plays and basically gained two yards on those seven plays. And this is when I'm just like... They're done, man. They can't not move the ball. They cannot move the ball. They can't find a way. Um, and this is one of the one of the key moments of the game here. Maybe the second biggest play of the game. I go into my closet and change out of my Mahomes jersey and slap on my Travis Kelsey jersey. Huge, huge momentum swing in this game. Um, and really, I mean, I don't think we win without it. Um, I, I forgot to mention earlier, damn it. Uh, when it was when they tied it up 13 13 this amazon guy comes and he shows up my door is cracked and he shows up and he's he's delivering something and i am just like god damn mother piece of fucking shit and he walks in i'm like oh hey man what's up <laughs> and he hands me something and he hands me these arrowhead coasters and i could i just rip the package open these arrowhead coasters i'm like oh fuck yeah this is this is a, a turning point here uh so a few weird moments as as the game was going on but i gave that amazon guy a uh a uh, accidental earful from me. It just <laughs> a bunch of motherfuckers to him as he's walking up, walking down my alley to my door. Um, oh man! So here we go. We got we got Burrow shakes Bolton. He gets a seven yard run. Um, I'm starting to have flashbacks. The clock's winding down at this point. It's like six or seven minutes. I'm kind of afraid the Bengals are just going to slowly march down the field and completely drain this clock. Similar to like that 2021 regular season game when they ran out like the last six or seven minutes of that game. Mahomes never even got the ball back. So, I mean, let alone if we could do anything on offense, we might not even get another chance as they start going here. And then the Chiefs defense steps up. Then they step up. We get the ball that goes off Jamar Chase's helmet, which is really good coverage, I believe, from Joshua Williams. And then an incredible play by one Brian Cook, who just – this is maybe my favorite play from the game. Just to get that – to turn around, find the ball, and get a hand on that, pop it up, um, and this is the pick by Joshua Williams, I believe. He's the one that ends up with it. Just an incredible play. And this is when, like, I'm I'm reeling. I think the Bengals have it just because I'm worried about the offense. I think they're going to be able to drive down. And for the defense to step up there, and for these rookies who we need to talk about, because going back to our preseason questions, we asked if every single rookie in the draft class was going to the Hall of Fame. And we have now confirmed that every single rookie in that draft class is going to the Hall of Fame. Let's run down the rookies just in this game. McDuffie, our cornerback one. Well, by default, once Snead goes out. Handful of fantastic tackles. He had a key deflection on a third and long to Higgins. That was nice. Uh, just some some good plays by McDuffie. George Karloftis gets a sack in the game. Brian Cook. Who I was I was kind of down on throughout most of the season. I don't I don't know. He just had a bad preseason, I guess. Um, I mean, not, nothing big there, but for him to come in and play meaningful snaps and really show something, he made a nice tackle early in the game. Uh, that that pass breakup was fantastic. Um, oh, by the way, that pass breakup happened on a drop eight spy defense. Just just so you're aware. So we a little little what's good for the goose is good for the gander there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sky Moore. With a little revenge. He actually had two big punt returns in this game. The first one was called back due to penalty. I was pissed. I was like, Sky had his moment. That was like his revenge. And yet I didn't know that he was actually going to get it at a much better point. 
Uh, Leo Chanel, uh, he played. Uh, Joshua Williams, quarterback three, he had an interception. Jalen Watson, quarterback two, he had an interception. Jalen Watson might be a fucking stud. He might be a fucking stud. We might we might have these guys for the next four years. This is kind of Brandon Flowers, Brandon Carr esque. Uh, and then Pacheco, uh, who didn't provide anything in the run game, but he had some huge catch and runs. Probably our second leading receiver, I would guess, without looking at the stats. Third behind BS uh, and Kelsey. Oh, but Kelsey. Five for 59 receiving from Pacheco. Just for these rookies to step up. I mean, forget the season. In this game, to see all these rookies step up like that, it's incredible, man. Like, this draft class just looks – it's fucking out of the park. Like, Brett Veach, take a fucking bow, man. Like, these seventh-rounders – to have two seventh rounders look this fucking good in their rookie season to show up in an AFC championship game like that. It's incredible. I, I, I I'm over the moon for these rookies. Um, I mean, no way, no how anybody could disagree with that. Um, I mean, I, I think that if I remember correctly, that McDuffie deflection was like really early in the game. Um, one of the the first couple drives. Um, well, he had the he had the drop pick early in the game. Yeah, is, he dropped it, but it's still a, a good play. And I mean, he also like he slipped a couple times, and it looked like he got. Yeah. Um, that night after the game, listening to post game or whatever, uh, somebody smart was talking about that play, and they said it looked like because McDuffie's in the slot that he played it correctly and the outside corner was supposed to carry a guy and McDuffie got trapped. And so he slipped not knowing which guy to cover because the other guy didn't do their job. So, I mean, it sounds like McDuffie is like truly, you know, a, a, a worth trading up for in the first round kind of guy. Um, and I could be wrong. Um, and it's not necessarily a knock, but I didn't even hear you mention George. Um, George, he got a sack and I, I know that um, I believe I saw you tweet looking at the snap counts that it was Frank and Dunlap in crunch time. I wanted to see who they trusted. And yeah, seat. in the in the end, it was it was Frank and Dunlap down the stretch uh, with a little Dana coming in. George didn't see it like the whole fourth quarter, which is fine. I mean, you trust your veterans. He wasn't really playing at all in the fourth quarter. No, I don't. I don't think he played like the last three or four drives. I mean, we were playing a lot of. It would have been Dunlap, Frank, Chris Jones, and then Dana and Colin Saunders kind of mixing off for that fourth one. Yeah, I mean, I could see it, and like that's. I don't think any. You know, if, if George was not having a great night, maybe. I mean, God, so many other people got hurt. Maybe George got banged up. Um, and I mean, even Pacheco. Um had that stretch in the game where it was like, I guess we're just not going to play him right now. Um, McKinnon never seemed like he fully got into the game either. I saw on the the fake injury report that they put out today that Pacheco was listed with a wrist and that McKinnon was listed as ankles. Uh, so apparently oh. both ankles, not... Uh, not from from well. carrying those beers back to the uh, locker room, I, I presume? I mean, I just... I, I think that it's miraculous what these rookies were able to accomplish um, stepping up in a game of this magnitude and especially guys like Sky, like Joshua Williams, um, 
that hadn't really been called upon much lately. Thrust, um, thrust in there. Yeah, and, and and I look at, I mean, you mentioned Brian Cook, and I felt similarly to you, really, I guess, like leading into the playoffs, I was like, you know, if if there's one in here that it seems like they just really could have done better, it might be Brian Cook. Like, I kind of felt that way when they drafted him too. I don't I don't know why necessarily. I don't I don't know college prospects that well. But I just felt like, eh, eh. So I didn't I didn't really know it, what it felt like to me once I learned about him. Um, and just a refresher, if you guys don't remember, he he played football at Howard. This is where uh, Therese Paler went to college. Uh, famous like NBC or HBCU, um, but not a football program. I don't think the fucking colleges people are Fayetteville State. Yeah. Um, where did the other corner? What are the what are the two late corners? Where are they from? Fayetteville State and uh well Jalen Watson went to Wazoo. Um Okay. But it it's Howard was like what people were touting because he he played at Howard and then ultimately he played one year at Cincinnati on the very good Cincinnati team, and so he was oh, okay. a lot. Right. He transferred to Cincinnati and they turned him into this, like, I mean, he became a leader on that defense and a big communicator, getting guys lined up and all this different stuff as a safety. I mean, he played corner at Howard. And so it's like, he's, he's a, a guy that's played multiple positions, kind of like Sneed. You know, I saw a little bit of like, maybe because he, he played corner for three years in college, then they move him to safety at a bigger program. Um, and so, you know, maybe he's a guy that's just going to, they're going to have to find the right spot. He might need to develop a little bit. Um, he ended up playing some important snaps as the third safety for this team. I'm surprised that it was never Dion Bush. It was always Brian Cook. Um, and, and I'll just say this. I felt like in both the Jacksonville game and in the Cincinnati game that he's like closing on the ball so much faster than earlier in the season and and so he's picking up the speed of the game like he's gotten better in that regard and i just felt like i saw him around the ball a lot against the Bengals, yep. um, getting in on tackles being around you know passes and and don't get me wrong sometimes getting beat and i mean that's the truth about jalen watson i think i tweeted like keep your head up stay focused stay in the game at jalen watson three or four times in that game because, oh, on that, I mean, that Higgins touchdown, it could have been Darrell fucking Rivas covering him. Yeah. That was absolute perfection from a throw and a catch. Like, it was it was the easiest looking, you know, 6'4 guy jumping 40 inches in the, in the air to catch a touchdown. Like, there's, you could have Deion Sanders and, and Darrell Rivas over there. Nobody was stopping that. And, and Jalen was on the Jamar play, too, the fourth and six. So, I mean, he got beat for two big plays – also had that, you know, interception. Um, and, and so it's like, you know, he kind of has his up and down game. But my God, that kid. Like, what can you even say? Uh, 243rd out of 262. And he has an interception in each of his first two playoff games. And like, it, it's going to be on this team for a while. And he's like, yeah, he looked great. The only reason he stopped playing in the middle of the season is because he got hurt. Like, if he doesn't do that, um, I mean, it's just, I, it might be the best seventh round rookie class ever like uh, i mean that, that'll take a lot of research that's I don't unreal know, yeah. i don't know any others but to see those two performing like that as rookies uh absolutely incredible can, uh, can we just circle back for a second to brett beach because 
you know, we can just we can just say like give him his flowers or whatever. But I mean, man, the the turn on this guy for a lot of us where it was like, okay, well, this guy's just kind of an Andy lackey. Um, we'll see. Maybe he's more of a yes man than John Dorsey was, but we like and you know, the first draft is a disaster. Well, yeah, I mean, and all so the questions were fair, I think. And the biggest question is this guy's draft history. Look, look at his draft classes. They are not performing like they should, especially when you fire a guy like John Dorsey, who did nothing but draft bangers. Yeah. So you, I mean, you ousted him for this guy. He better at least, you know, I, I understand he might be better at other areas, money management, but man, if if you got a guy drafting Hall of Famers, and you fire him, the next guy better be able to, you know, at least somewhat match that. I don't expect Hall of Famers in every single draft class, but you got to draft good players, and he hadn't. Well, it's debatable. A lot of a lot of those were were pretty weak. I ain't saying that anymore. I'm swallowing all that now. Well, and and one of the big parts of this too, where I think in the moment where we're all starting to get nervous about Veach, you know, a, a year or two in, is the fact that like, all right. We are a top-heavy roster. We've got a, a you know eight guys that are making like north of twenty million, and so now more than ever, if you can't draft, if you don't hit on your picks, we can't be successful. Like that's 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 the edge that we have to have because we're paying superstars, you know, stars and scrubs, whatever it is, um, and and you're starting to think like dude if if you don't have it like we don't even we're not, we don't even get the the dorsey special anymore here we can't even like find a, you know good free agents and veach was you know then he starts taking free agent swings and and then he starts getting pretty wild with the trade machine and it's like oh my gosh all right so this guy's really aggressive and we don't know if these moves are going to work out there have been some really like nervy moments and he has to feel at this point and and hoping that he doesn't get to a bad point but he has to feel so confident and so secure in his job same for the guys that that work for him like the the job that that staff has done um and and that they get to reload with a whole bunch more assets in this draft now they don't have two ones and two twos but they still have a whole bunch more picks um and you know a lot of years of Mahomes at a really high dollar value um I I just think that it's important that everybody take a moment and actually acknowledge what this guy did because the, a lot of people were ready to fire him. And I and I don't even necessarily think that they were wrong. You're right. Yeah, and nobody that. was more against Brett Veach than me. And yeah. I mean, the 180 he's taken over the last year, and you know what you know what took it for me? You know what started it for me? The Tyreek Hill trade. Mm. I loved it. I loved it. Even at the time, I was like, at least. He's starting to plan for the future. And it's not, it was, everything was just like a, such a short-term quick fix. It was like a child, like just buying and eating candy. And it's like, it's, it's going to run out soon. Like you can't just keep throwing first rounders away and paying these guys huge contracts. Like the cupboard's going to empty out here soon. And then he trades Tyreek and it's like, oh man, he might have this long-term vision. Let's see if he hits on these draft picks. And he did. And it's, and it's just this monster class. Uh, and so no, I I am officially a Brett Veach guy. I'm coming over. I'm coming over. Make room. Make room for Durkee. Yeah, I mean, and and I think it's also important to see that 
with him, there were guys at, at the beginning of his tenure that were like, these are Veach guys. You remember hearing that he was like trying to trade for Anthony Hitchens and, and the Cowboys didn't want to trade him. And so then he went out and signed him to that huge deal and he was never good. And ultimately the Chiefs moved on. And they found, you know, his replace. They drafted two guys to replace Hitchens, really. Um, and people would still maybe even argue, I don't think we should be taking linebackers in the second round for back-to-back years or three guys in the top 100 three years in a row. I think that's a Brandon Daly question, not a Brett Veach question, but we'll get there this offseason. Um, and I'd much rather do that than, you know, pay him $12 million a year or whatever Hitchens was making. Exactly. Um, I... I want to talk about the coaches because we're talking about Veach. Um, shall we? Shall we finish the game? Yeah. Okay. So we're getting to the defense. We're getting to a big one here. Some coaches. Let's, yeah. Okay. Um, so Chiefs get the ball back. We get a Marcus Kemp sighting. Yep. That was fun. Uh, we get a weak DPI call. Uh, one of my favorites. You know, I love those. I've always loved PI. I've always said that. Um, so good to see that go in our favor. Maybe our, our third of the year or something. We're like the worst pass interference drawing team I've ever well, seen. Wasn't it? Wasn't it a short one too, though? Yeah, it was yeah, like just a, a little short. Ball that we gained six yards on instead yeah. of you know on Hilton, 25. on Hilton too. <laughs> on Hilton. Then we had the Pacheco tackle breaker, which was a real like holy shit. We're driving for the win. This this is the drive. It's gonna happen. Like just sputtering along, and then they sputter out. And they get to this weird decision where they're at the 37, 38-yard line. And I'm like, okay, we got Harrison Butker, man. He's got one of the biggest legs I've ever seen. This is a long one, but he's let's see him fire this up. And I'm, what the fuck? Tommy Townsend is coming out? They're going to punt? I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I'm I'm, I'm too despondent to listen to the to the, the announcers talk about how his his range from pregame is 51 yards I, i've seen butker nail 60 yarders so i i i guess i was wasn't paying attention i guess it was is it because it was cold is it because it was windy um and and honestly this was proven later when he hits the game winner and it kind of barely clears the bar by like a few yards and it's like a low 40 it's a 40 yarder i think for the win um but that was a really weird decision but ultimately i think what it said is that Andy Reid trusted the defense. And I think maybe the biggest debate we've had all season between you and I is trusting this defense. And the crux of our debate was, could they get a stop versus an elite offense when it mattered most? And I did not think they could. You did. And they did it twice when it mattered most. And it, it, was, it was crazy. I didn't like the decision at the time. I mean, it obviously worked out. Uh, but what did you, what were you thinking at that moment when they decided to punt with about two, I want to say it's like two thirty left in the game, passing a fifty-five yard field goal, which does seem like it wasn't a good idea. The other option was going for it. I don't know if you want to do that either with the offense struggling like that. What did you think of that decision at the time? I think that the way that I operate is a way that frustrates a lot of people because I have reached a point really even long before this year, uh, but with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, basically, um, I I don't think that I find many times to disagree with my team. I just tend to trust them. And so 
mostly I think a lot of that is just vibes for me. Like if I get mad at the team, maybe maybe they won't perform as well. I got to encourage them. I got to be on their side all the time. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like how I try to teach. Like I'm just going to be nice. You know, we're going to be encouraging, right? It's going to be nice. Um, like that's what I'm trying to do. You know, <laughs> doesn't work very well. I'll tell you that much. Um, but I think that, I think that uh, when they punted, I believe my reaction in the moment was trusting the defense. You know, just what you said, and and to me, I I want to point this out. Um, because I, I think I tried to articulate it a few times this year, and I don't know if I just didn't do a good job or what, but like, I, one of the things that I love most about Andy is that he delegates responsibility and he shows trust in the people around him, whether it is his coaches or his players. He's like, look, we built this team and decided that each of these people are important enough to us to be employed here. There are very few jobs that are available in the NFL. And so we have to show faith in these guys. And it means that when Butker seems like he can't hit the broadside of a barn, that you're still going to try to keep marching him out there. That when Townsend can't seem to get the hold right, that like you're going to keep marching him out there. Um, you know, the Chiefs never really seem to panic. Now, sometimes Andy will do some stuff. Um, I don't think I liked either challenge in the game. Uh, I was worried about mismanaging timeouts in the first half. Um, and, and it seemed okay, ultimately. Um, they got a little lucky. I think some things definitely broke their way. But I, I think that Andy, in that moment, Trusting his all-pro punter to pin them back deep. Great punt. Great punt. Um, Tommy was just not. Aiming for the sideline, which I don't think he normally does. It's, I think it's kind of risky because, I mean, if you just. Short fields, too, though. It was like, you know, he's it's, it's a shorter punt. So it's like, well, how much hang time can I get? And I'm not used to trying to punt the ball 30 yards. So, you're, you know, you kind of go for the angle. Um, but if you just shank that a little bit, I mean, it goes out 15, 20, 25. Like it can, yeah. it can get pretty ugly if you miss hit that a little bit. Yeah, he um, he had. And if a, you and if you kick a touchback there, it's just like I mean, imagine the reaction if you're gaining 15 yards from punting there with two minutes and 30 seconds left. Like you have, if you make that decision, you have to execute. You have to because if that ball goes in the end zone, I lose my fucking mind. Like we just we did all that for 15 yards. Yeah, but it's it's such a weird decision. You're such a such a tough spot right there with the off. I mean, if, if the offense is at full strength, I think it's a, I think it's a go situation. I'm not sure if they do it, but I think I would, I would definitely say it's a go situation. If you have all your weapons, if Mahomes isn't severely hobbled, um, but the way they were, I don't, I didn't trust them to gain eight yards. I, I wouldn't, I didn't trust it. So I don't, I don't know what I would have done. I just kind of froze and, you know, I don't, I didn't have a final decision. I'm not a football coach. I'm, I'm just sitting here drunk on my floor, squirming around like a fucking fish. On my floor. Um, I mean, it, look, here, here's the thing. It wasn't, I didn't sit in my seat the whole game. I was on the fucking floor. <laughs> here, here's the thing for me. Like, it, it seems like 
and I know that this is impossible, but it almost seems like the the message or the thinking, whether he's trying to say it out loud to anybody or not, the thinking is uh, right now the defense gives us the best chance to win because there's so little time left that like we're either going to overtime or the defense makes a play to put us in position to try to win. But right now where we are, fourth and eight or a 55-yard field goal, our best chance to win is punting the ball away. And that is a very difficult decision to make, but we're not going to pick up eight yards because our offense can't seem to do it right now. And Butker does not feel confident from 55 for all the different reasons. And we have an all-pro punter. So this is this is just what we have to do, right? And, and it's so weird because it's a different version of what we have, what Pat had to do all night. Take, take, take what you've got. Take what they give you. Well, okay, right here, what we literally have to do is punt. This is the best case scenario for us. And that's crazy because you have Patrick Mahomes. But that wasn't, I mean, it was. At that point, it, at that point it's not Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's crazy that it all works out this way. But, I mean, honestly, to me, it just adds to the story, you know, that, that with two and a half minutes left, he decides to trust in the defense and he gives Chris Jones a last opportunity to put his stamp on the game that he had already before that completely fucking dominated. We're not talking about Chris Jones yet. Not yet. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. So, okay. the, so the defense takes the field. We get a grounding call that I am just screaming at the top of my lungs for. I couldn't believe they called it. Um, but it, I think it's a correct call. Um, and then we get to a third and 16. And it's like, this is it. We get the stop here. Now it's now we're in sitting pretty. And they fucking they pick it up like it's nothing. He's just wide open. I don't know what the defense is. McDuffie's kind of staying inside the outside corners, running with the receiver. He looks like he's in man coverage. That's the blown play. I don't know that they were talking about coverage bust. McDuffie got it was a bust. The outside corner was supposed to carry the guy that caught the ball, and it looked like McDuffie fell. I mean, he he slipped because he's trying to cover two guys at once because the, the outside corner, whoever it was on that play, did, made the wrong read. Apparently, well, because he's there's a there's an outside receiver and he's running down the sideline and, and that that corner is running with him. Um, and then oh, okay, so Caden just kind of comes underneath him and he's just yeah. wide open. And it seems like McDuffie was expecting someone to be there, like that guy sitting at the sticks kind of thing, and he was maybe playing man coverage and wasn't supposed to. I don't know, but it didn't seem right. It was it was extremely easy, that's for sure. Yeah. So he just kind of waltzes for like 25 yards there. And that's, man. That was Hurst, wasn't it, on that play? Yeah, it was Hurst. It was Hurst. And I was, I mean, once you get a third and 16 in that situation, that was, pro- that was probably the lowest moment of the game. It's just like, that was it. That was our chance. Third and 16 with this pass rush. Yeah. You got to get home there. I mean, you can't let them get it. And now they have, you know, clocks running down under a minute here. They have every opportunity to just go down the field, kick the game-winning field goal, and get out of here. And I was third and sixteen. Like that's that's what I would just been saying over and over. Like I'm, I'm walking out of Arrowhead Stadium. D four is offsides. D four is offsides. I'm walking away this game. Third and sixteen. Third and sixteen. We had them, and they picked up a few with third and longs. Like Joe Burrow is is he's scary, even on third and long. Yeah. Um. So that was that was that felt like the death blow in other chief scenarios that I've seen before. So then they go two yard, two yard little pass, incomplete pass. And now we get to the man, the man of the hour, 
the MVP of the game, Chris Jones demolishing his man from the defensive end spot, which he seemingly has all season, or at least they kind of put that on ice for a while, and then he kind of busted it out. Um, I heard, I heard that he did not play a single snap at defensive end in the first game against the Bengals. So we're gonna we're gonna get there. Okay. He's talking about he he talked about some things that we talk about quite a bit, but just an overall appreciation of Chris Jones, who came out and said afterwards, "My whole off season was dedicated to this game." And Chris Jones went full on Nebraska and Dominican Sue. He won every single play. Chris Jones was an absolute maniac out there. I could not believe how much he dominated that game. And, and he really, he set the tone before the game for me when he walked off that press conference, see you at Burrowhead Stadium. I was like, holy shit. They heard, they're hearing all this. They are taking it seriously. And he seems to be taking it personally. Like, this, this is fucking awesome. He was unbelievable in the game. And to do it, after facing all this noise, and rightfully so, zero sacks in 13 career playoff games, for him to come through in this moment against the team, rewatching that AFC Championship last year, that missed sack was a huge play. That was a huge turning point. And just a, a bad play, and it didn't, didn't make much sense. And for him to respond, talk about this, this game all season, talk about that play all offseason, and to come through like he did in this game, it was, it was special to see. I, I, Chris Jones, you know, he's, he's always been a great player and, and whatever. This was like a, I'm, I'm buying a Chris Jones Jersey as soon as, you know, as soon as I can like this, he goes, he goes in the rafters now in, in my personal rafters for top chiefs of all time. Just amazing what he did out there. And this is a thing that I think there were a few people talking about. I know BJ was, um, I, I, I believe I mentioned on last week's show, like Chris Jones needs that moment. And folks, we saw the moment. We saw many moments from him in this game, but to literally in a tie football game after getting a sack to end a drive, to run and wave at the crowd when when we still we, we have no idea what the offense is going to be able to do. Yeah, do you think he knew Chris the score? Jones knew. <laughs> I mean, he he knew. All right. He said. Mahomes is going to come out here and finish this because that's what he does. And, you know, Mahomes with arguably the most idiotic yet heroic play of his career cannot freaking believe he even took off and ran in the first place. Um, but, but here, look, with Chris Jones. Let us not forget, you said he went full like Nebraska in Dominican Sioux. Honestly, you want to know the last time I saw Chris Jones play like that? I take that back. He had a really nice game against the Eagles a couple years ago. Interception, touchdown, like three sacks. That was fun. It was a good day. Um, It was was stats. I don't remember him dominating like this. Well, could not be blocked. There was a game in his college tape, and I can't remember if it was playing – against Ole Miss or if it was Texas A&M but I think it was you know kind of in there and and I remember like telling people holy I've never seen somebody on a like a college tape where it's like like is this a highlight no this is a single game and he could not be blocked and and that is the reason that you draft a guy like that you say can he do this consistently and throughout Chris's career he has 
been consistently inconsistent. And, and despite all of this raw talent that he's got and this incredible flash, I mean, he had a 15-sack season as a defensive tackle, um, a, a rare-built, sure. rare talent, uh, but, you know, has been accused for years of just being kind of lazy, being kind of selfish, doesn't necessarily always do his job, um, maybe doesn't always know what his job is. He said something about grit this offseason, and I, and I remember saying this before the season in, like, our preview pod. I was like, Chris, you're about the least grittiest player there is. I mean, you're all highlights and then plays off. No offense. Your highlights are fantastic, and we need the sacks, but you're not very gritty. Boy, he meant it. He spoke on it, and he fucking meant it. That's that's, that's just fucking awesome. It's awesome. And I, and I, I bring up Sue that – Sue's the best player I've ever seen like play football. And that, I mean, it's at a college level, so it's a little different. But I mean, I watched an entire season of him not being able to be blocked. It was just like snap and then just like quickly disregard the guard and then deal with another offensive lineman who's coming to help. And it was just every single play. And it was just like a marvel to watch. Like this guy's completely unstoppable. But Chris Jones did it first off in the pros, in a playoff game, in, in an AFC championship game. When the team needed it like that, like it, that was the performance. I will always remember that, uh, what he did out there. And I, I think he's unquestionably the MVP and one of the best, maybe the best defensive game I've ever seen. Like, I don't know what else would compete with it. I mean, there's surely there's better stats out there. I mean, just like the clips, like Donald in the Super Bowl, wasn't it in the Super Bowl last year? Yeah, it was good in the Super Bowl. I mean, and Donald has plenty of clips like this. I don't want to, I don't grind Donald film here, so I don't really know, but. Um, just I mean, just the plays going around on Twitter of of Chris Jones highlights. It's just snap, disregard the offensive lineman, and then he's just standing on the other side of the offensive lineman. Like he had a run stuff in that game where he just like as soon as Mixon got the ball, he was just completely swallowed. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, he, he was. I mean, needed it. what's the word? That, what's the word that he was possessed? I mean, this guy is crying during the national anthem before the game um and a lot of people are like this is when i knew and you know um i am when i knew i didn't even see that until after the game anyway so i didn't uh, i didn't get that signal um but what i saw from chris jones um for the first time i think and and again this this is this is not me questioning Chris Jones. But I think I saw for the first time somebody that truly took pride in in his job, in what what his role is for this team, um, in in what he has been tasked with and you know on defense. Um and and I don't know what to say about Chris Jones on a down to down basis throughout the year. Um, because I can't, like I, no one's got time to watch him that, that closely, unless, you know, maybe you're being paid um, or you, you really, really love it. Uh, but like, I look, man, I mean, I, I think that when he's in the running for defensive player of the year, that if they didn't do those votes after the regular season, that he would clearly be the defensive player of the year. Um, I felt like we saw him on rundowns making a difference throughout this season, something that Chris Jones seemingly never did ever. 
in his career before this year. Plus, he goes out and has incredible sack numbers. He is the best defensive player. And we've maybe always kind of known, like, okay, so he, he probably should be our best defensive player, whether he is or not. Eh, you know, and we've got these other guys. Maybe we've got some veterans around him and different things. Chris Jones became, to me, like truly a superstar. Um, cemented not just his Chiefs legacy, but like his immediate future. There's They can't let him leave. No, no. Sorry, they he he can't. Chris Chief Jones Blair. is now Blair. in. Like he was, he was already there because of the the contract. But like, folks, if you look at the way that this team is constructed, even though we thought we were kind of getting away from it, it's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and it's Chris Jones and probably Frank Clark. I mean, those are the two highest guys, highest paid guys on defense. It should be, yeah. And the guys that want to be in that like circle of trust or circle of paid is Orlando Brown uh, wants to get in there. Um, Joe Tooney is technically in there, but I don't know how, like what they think about him as like a core guy. I mean, he's, he's certainly important. Um, but I mean, it's, it's Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is basically that is the paid core of your team. And Chris Jones is going to get a very significant raise. He is going to get an extension. People are probably not going to like the number, but he is, Fuck, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. He's the guy for the next three or four years that like, no, we're, we're building our defense around him. And when he's done, then we can shift. But like it, this is Chris Jones's defense and, and folks, um, I, I don't want to miss the sky Moore punt return. I don't want to miss Patrick Mahomes' run. I don't want to miss, but curse kick. No spoiler alerts. <laughs> yeah. We're fair. Um, I think, I think, the game against Cincinnati in the AFC Championship last year, it certainly motivated him. I know that it did. He, he's saying that it did. Um, I wonder if that's all internal, then that's an amazing muscle that, that Chris Jones has got. If it's literally just he took that game so personally and he looked in the mirror and he went and, and did everything he could and worked harder than ever in this offseason and, and just did that of his own accord. I don't know if that's the case. I would think that in some way, shape, or form, his new coach, his new defensive line coach, stepping in, suddenly there's a new voice, this guy, Joe Cullen. I don't know if Chris Jones and Joe Cullen knew each other before this year. I don't know if they had any kind of history. But I know that he knows of Joe Cullen because this is a guy that, coaching the Baltimore defensive line and Chris got to play with Suggs and whatever. Like he's going to make some calls. He's going to figure out, okay, this guy's legit. I'm telling you folks, I believe that Joe Cullen came to Chris Jones and told him the truth. Just told him, Hey, like Chris, you have all the ability in the world. You could be literally the best defensive player in the league this year, but you have to actually bring it. I can help get you there, whatever. I mean, this is a guy that has to come in and like figure out how to make this defense work, how to make this cobbled together defensive line room work, how to motivate those guys. And and folks, Colin Saunders, uh, suddenly Derek Nottie at the end of the year, making multiple plays after I told, I said, we should have cut him. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, he had, a, he had a play or two in the, in the Bengals game after his sack in the Jags game, you know, like three plays. Um, 
but you know, getting contributions from from Frank and Carlos and Dana, and I mean, I just they they were absolutely relentless on the defensive line this year, and and you can't say enough about Joe Cullen, and I I think he might be the real like like launch pad for Chris Jones. I MVP. No, just the, the guy real MVP that really pushed Chris all year long to get to this height. So yeah, you, you, all four defensive ends made plays in this game. We had the George sack. Frank had one and a half sacks. Dana had the missed sack that he let Burrow get away. He also had a tackle for loss and draws a holding. Carlos Dunlap actually pre- got pressure on Burrow on both of the interceptions. Mm. Uh, Dunlap had an underrated game there too. Uh, I do think Chris Jones, um, just talking about him, I think he's going up in the ring of honor in Arrowhead Stadium. I think he cemented that. And I think he's got a real shot at the Hall of Fame now with the numbers he's putting up, with the name he made for himself this year. Like you hardly heard Chris Jones' name out there in the national media before this year, even with that 15-sack season. But this year he really put it out there. And with all the winning the Chiefs are going to do, I think Chris Jones has a real good chance to get to make the NFL Hall of Fame now. Um, yeah, I got a whole list here of clutch moments that he had this year. I don't know if you want me to go through them. Uh, we went through another podcast, but just down the line in fourth quarters this year he, against the Broncos, he forces the interception on the final defensive play in the first game. He sacks Russell Wilson on the final defensive play in the second game. It's just the, it's every single Chargers number two game, two sacks in the fourth quarter. Chargers first game, third down sack, third and two run stuff. The Colts game, he actually made the sack, but then said some mean words and it got taken away. The Raiders game, he made the big the, the, the biggest play of the game. It happened in the second quarter, actually, but that completely swung the whole game because of the call that happened with it. Like every single time they needed him to come up in the biggest moment, he did it. And so it, it wasn't just like empty stats or anything. It was the defense needs to pay, make a play right now. And Chris Jones did it. And then we needed it in the AFC Championship game in the worst way, way more than, you know, a fucking Broncos regular season game. And he made it. Third and eight. Immediate win, sack, gets the ball back, Chiefs win. It's just unbelievable performance. And when you have a game like that with that many eyeballs on it, after the season that he had already put together, people that watched Chris Jones, you know, closely for the first time because it was the only game that was on, and then they go and say, oh, oh, so this guy's in the running for defensive player of the year. Oh, oh, wait, this dude had... How many sacks playing defensive tackle this year? They're going to start to watch him so much more closely going forward. And, you know, we've we've had the conversation at many points among about many players that, like, you usually get to the Pro Bowl or the All-Pro, like, a year or two too late. And then, they, and then they let you keep getting them maybe when your play goes down because you've made a name for yourself. Uh, Chris Jones is a made man at this point. Um, he will be talked about anytime that teams talk about, anytime people are talking about the Chiefs, anytime they're thinking about the Chiefs defense, anytime you're talking about the best defensive players in the NFL, Chris Jones will be in people's mouths. He, he will from now on. He has he has launched himself into that upper echelon of defensive players because he had such a signature game on such a big stage. So there's some weird stuff with Chris Jones. So he, there's a Jay Feely tweet who's like the kicking specialist on the CBS broadcast. And he tweeted out that Chris Jones told him after the game that they purposely did not move him around 
in that regular season game against the Bengals. And then in the rewatch, I noticed Jim Nance say in the third play of the game, Chris Jones moving around for his third possession in three plays now, as if he had the big heads up on it, because they have these little pregame meetings and they tell these TV guys like things, you know, about the game plan and stuff. And, you know, they they keep all that under wraps. He clearly tells them this in the pregame meeting. We purposely did not move me around in the regular season game against the Bengals. And, and my brain kind of popped off because it's like, this is something we've talked about a, a ton. Like the Chiefs hold stuff back for when it matters most. Like they, the Chiefs always have their eyes on January at this point. They know they're going to be in the tournament with the team they have. It's about being their best in January. So it's just, it was really cool to see that kind of confirmed because it's something we've talked about a lot on here. And to hear like a player actually say that that was the strategy in the regular season to not move Chris Jones around. Like just, just remember this next time, you know, you're bitching about the chiefs, not blowing out a bad team, maybe not showing up in what seems like a huge game. Just remember this, that they have their eyes on January and winning then. Mm. Um, I mean, and that was a, uh, that was a Spagnolo talking point. Um, Look, I don't. I, I'm. I'm going to have some thoughts on Brendan Daly this off season. He's going to become my whipping boy. Uh, not that he already, kind of already has a little bit, um, but Spagnolo, Colin Merritt, um, the job that these guys did throughout this season to get to this point, and then ultimately inside of this game, preparing for this game. Um, man, these coaches, folks. Uh, I mean, people, I have been skeptical of Spagnolo since before he got here because it seemed like he's top five or he's bottom five, right? Um, if he doesn't have the players, then it gets real ugly out there. And it's hard to, on paper this year, look at it and say he's got the players. Um, there were times where I was I was trying to convince myself in in being confident about the Chiefs defense and I tried to just I'm never going to waver I believe in these guys um well, I, mean, I mean there was there were some snaps in there where they had six rookies on the field on defense all three rookie corners Brian Cook, Chanel and George six rookies all in the game at the same time Yeah they played uh 10 rookies in the game as a team record for the playoffs um, I believe eight different rookies played on defense in the game. That doesn't sound right, but um, <laughs> I can't. I'm, I. But we're gonna say it anyways. Whatever. Um, they're all Hall of Famers. You, you are. You. That's that's what it is. They. Every one of them is going to the Hall of Fame. Just wait until you guys get the script on Nazee Johnson's Hall of Fame career. All right. Wait till that script. Or the other, there's the other random guy, the offense, Kennard. Oh, Darian Kennard. Yeah. yeah. That's an all pro waiting to happen. All right. Yeah. He's going to yeah. be the best right. They just need an opportunity. They need an opportunity. Next year. <laughs> all uh, right. Moving along in the game. Are you, are you done loving Spags? You know, loving some more? Yeah. No, that's that. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Spags, should, Spags did his job. We should probably, I think, finish the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Hold on. I'm getting there. Uh, yeah. So Mahomes scrambles and then they win. Game over. I saw that. Yeah. I did. <laughs> I, did. I did see that. Uh, so, uh, so let's let's talk about Mahomes uh, getting it done. 
you know, for him to be that gritty of a player, uh, we kind of talked about this last week, uh, just getting it done when uh, you're not at 100 percent. And it's just that's not guaranteed when you have an all time talented player. It's it, those rarely go hand in hand. Um, and so and then this game he faces an even bigger challenge. Not only is he banged up and then re injures it like badly. I don't it's I think he was pretty close to himself in that first half until he re injured it. Um, and then I think he really struggled to move around. Um, and I think he basically put everything he had into that last scramble. Um, so I, I know he has to be hurting at that point, but to lose three of his top four receivers to have zero running game and to just, to just get the job done. Anyways, that drive, uh, the touchdown throw to MVS, one of his sneaky best plays he's ever made. Um, it's, it's, you know, th- there was a lot of talk about Mahomes after the game and I don't, it wasn't like his, I thought his stats looked better than he played, but that, I mean, that would be judging him on a, if he's hundred percent healthy kind of grading scale kind of thing for the, for the way he gutted it out um, and to make it happen, regardless of everything going on, it was, it's, it's special, it's special. And just the, the resolve of the team in general. I mean, look what happens to other championship teams, the Rams, Look, look what happened to them a year, the year later. The Bucks. Look what happened to them. The 2017 Eagles. They fell apart. They're back together now. But you know, you win a Super Bowl and complacency sets in. Like they, they still got the talent, but you know they're satisfied. They don't want to. They don't want to work hard for it. We, you know, we already did it. Like it's hard. It's hard to build something like that. And every all signs point to Andy and, and Mahomes when it comes to that. Like they're they're the leaders when it comes to that. And it's, you know, you think about the Patriots. They're able to do it for so long. And you point at Belichick and, and Brady. It ain't easy to do it for that long. You have to be obsessive about it to stay good. And all these other championship teams, they aren't built for the long haul. I mean, they they come together and they they bring it for one big playoff run. And and then they kind of fall apart. Like, hey, right, well, we all going to get paid. We're all going to, you know, shoot commercials. We're all going to do all this. And it's winning kind of goes out the window. So to... to stay together for this long and to show that sort of uh toughness it's 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 awesome it's awesome to see i think that um i mean you that starts with andy it's it starts with patrick um starts with travis just to keep that fire building it's 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 awesome i there there's a million ways to try to say i guess what i'm thinking um, I, I've never seen a game like that. I've never been so uh, impressed with my team to battle through so much adversity inside of a single game. I mean, you remember when, of course you do, nobody wants to remember, but none of us would be able to forget, uh, 45-44. Guys just dropping like flies every other play. Oh, well, Jamal's got a concussion. Oh, well, I think somebody just you know, tore their ACL. Oh, well, even a guy like Dunta Robinson gets hurt in this game. We can't have anything nice. And it's just like, you just see it. Like, well, we can't sustain all of this. And that's how this game felt. And to see Patrick gut it out the way that he did, to see Travis gut it out the way that he did, to see the defense step up and make play after play, after play, especially 
the guys that need to have the mental fortitude to come back from mistakes, from from getting beat on big key plays in the game. Um, I this is I think this is my favorite Chiefs team, and I've been saying it all year how much I love them. Um, and, and just like looking at all the, the rookies, the construction of the team, whatever it is, you know, you're technically in this kind of shift year where, well, we, we got rid of Tyreek. And so now we're trying to get better, get deeper, um, you know, and, and build for the future, as you said. And like, I, I just, I was just so impressed. And ultimately I think that the toughness, uh, particularly of guys like Patrick, and guys like Travis Kelsey uh, battling through injury to be on the field, let alone stay on the field for this game. And then ultimately, in the end, and especially when you add Chris Jones into the mix, their reactions to some of the Kelsey things scream. that happened. Kelsey scream. Um, I mean, Kelsey, the, the Kelsey scream is great. Um, but, I mean, in postgame, um, Burrowhead, my ass. This is Mahomes' house, you know. And and wise words for the Cincinnati mayor: know your role and shut your mouth, jabroni. And Chris Jones, never, ever, 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 ever. And I'm gonna I'm look, look in the camera when I say this. when I say this. You know, never disrespect Arrowhead Stadium at Giha or whatever. Like, he's like still he's still having fun with that. Good for him. He's still still a jokester. Um, it just showed me something, and I, I was trying to talk to my girlfriend about this because when when Travis, before the mayor comment, I saw that on the internet, not on the TV. Um, I saw Travis crash into Mahomes talking to whoever the sideline reporter was um, and say, Burrow had my ass. And I'm not kidding, I burst into tears. Because it, because it just confirmed something for me that I think we've always wanted to know. We've always hoped that, like, for these guys, for this coach, for this quarterback, for that tight end, for, for that defensive tackle, and, and I hope that it's the other guys too. But football is a brutal business, and guys go from place to place, and they play for the paycheck often. And I'm telling you, Kansas City – matters to those guys to Andy and Pat and Travis and Chris they are Kansas City Chiefs and and like they they care about the team more seemingly than they care about themselves and don't get me wrong when it's time to get paid they should get paid right they should get every dollar but even a guy like Travis, the way that he has, I'm, I, the reason that I got so emotional with Travis Kelsey is because, and I, I was telling my girlfriend, I'm like, look, I know this is silly, but I mean, what's wrong with you? We've, we've watched this guy grow up. I've watched it happen. I've, I've been able to watch this player go from somebody that was so immature but raw talent but unfocused and just wishy-washy and now this is a guy that is such a rock and such a leader and cares so much and has become like like the face in some ways of the fan like Mahomes is that superstar but like Kelsey is the guy I mean you know his his speech at the parade and everything I mean like he's 
he's a very, very important figure in a way that I never knew that he was going to be. And I don't know that there's ever going to be like, if anybody is arguing for Tony Gonzalez over Travis Kelsey as the best chiefs tight end. Um, I, I really question like when you stopped watching the chiefs because Travis is so much more important than Tony is to this franchise. And I just, I, 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 I love this team. I love them so much. I'm so proud of what they did against the Bengals. Um, we outgained the Bengals somehow watching this offense completely fall apart and just be barely like stitched together. Um, they, they win the turnover battle in a game where they lose their best, you know, second best defensive player, but their best guy that's likely to go make a play in the secondary. And then their best cover linebacker also ends up leaving the game. And like, they just, I don't know. I don't know how they did it. I literally do not know how they did it. Yeah. I mean, just to do it when the, when the decks are stacked against you, tables are stacked, tables, decks are stacked against you. The deck. Uh, I mean, doing it when you're hundred percent is, is tough enough, but to do it with all these injuries uh, with Mahomes facing the injury himself. I mean, that's, that's when legends are made. I mean, well, the first thing when, when people talk about Michael Jordan, the first thing they bring up, maybe the second, is the flu game. Yeah. They bring up the flu game. To do it when you're not 100%, when it's easy to quit. It would have been easy for this team to lose. It would have been easy for this team to face a rebuild, reloading year and, you know, make the playoffs and, and go to the divisional game. And it would have been like, okay, that makes sense because they're reloading. Everybody else is gearing to beat them. Like that kind of makes sense for this season while they reload a little bit, get a little younger and do what they need to do to build something for the long term. But no, they they said, fuck all that. And they they went, went to the Super Bowl anyways. It would have been easy to, to lay down on this game. They, they had no business winning this game in the fourth quarter. I mean, with Joe Burrow getting the ball on those two drives, like this is his game to win. This is his game to win. The Chiefs are so shorthanded. They're so banged up right now. It's just like, it was kind of like a matter of time. Like I, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Put us to bed. Come on, let's go. And and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't fucking do it. And to rally around each other and and come through in that moment, that's 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 what makes them like a favorite team of yours. Like that's what makes them stick out is is moments like that when, you know, they got every reason not to do it and they and they get the job done anyway. It's just get the fucking job done and they did it. It was a pretty incredible effort, uh, top to bottom, uh, from every person involved in this organization i mean you you look at the, the trainers that kelsey and mahomes are talking about like like this dude spent the last 48 hours with travis kelsey like every moment right um one last thing on mahomes and i mean there's never gonna be last thing on mahomes really but i think it was also important for people to see this game from patrick uh i say important like nationally um I think that Patrick Mahomes is considered a flash quarterback. Like this is a guy that can go out and if he just gives you that like one special moment, right. To where there are people that are fans of other teams that are like, whatever, that guy sucks. Like, sure. He makes some cool plays, but like he's a system quarterback or he's this, or he's that win a real ring, all the different things that they want to say about Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's me talking about Aaron Rodgers Cause I used to, Whenever he would get down in games, he would fucking fold. He was such a front runner. And that was one of the biggest gripes I had about watching Aaron Rodgers talk about. Everyone's talking about how talented he is. Like, let me see him fucking do it when the when it gets tough. When you when you're like his fourth quarter comeback number is terrible. He the going gets tough and he gets going. That's that doesn't happen with Pat. It does not happen. 
And it's, it's not just the ability to finish games. Um, I think that seeing him and, and chiefs fans, because we watch the game so intensely and we live and die with every moment that happens with this team, we know more, we know different than a lot of the folks that just simply are like, I'm going to fire up the all 22 and see what happens. Right. Or I might be here to generally appreciate some greatness, but you don't like breathe Kansas city chiefs. We know how tough Patrick is. And I don't think that he is seen as a tough player nationally. I don't think people view him that way. It doesn't seem like he would be tough. But it's like he's kind of a finesse guy with, you know, all the, the crazy stuff and whatever. But, like, they don't look at him like, oh, look at that guy. Pat's a warrior. And, like, we know different. And especially a game like this or really the last, you know, couple of weeks, even being able to to finish that game against Jacksonville. I mean, um, to the point where people think he's faking the injury is where we're at, right? Like, that's how tough this dude is. Um, it's it's what makes me think that the door will never be closed for him to like really actually surpass Tom Brady. Um, it, it it just makes me look at him and say like, there at this point to me, there's nothing that that guy can't do. There's nothing that he can't do. There are zero questions about Patrick Mahomes, and he's 27. Can I say that he, he needs one more thing? Can I say one thing? Quarterback sneak. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. He can't, pretty good. He can't sneak it. <laughs> he needs an all-time Super Bowl. No, he well, needs, that's fair. He needs one of his best games. He's already got a Super Bowl MVP, but even, you know, here, once again, Chiefs fans who watch the game a bit closer uh, – Probably would have given it to Damian Williams if we're being honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it was sort of a default. He wasn't great in that game. He was great in the fourth quarter, yeah. but I mean, we were we spent three quarters waiting for him to settle down. He threw one of the worst winners interceptions of his career in that game. Um, so I mean, it, he won that game uh, and he deserved it and and everything like that. I don't want to take away anything from that. Um, and he had his moments against Tampa Bay too, uh, crazy highlights and stuff. But he needs he needs a Patrick Mahomes. Super Bowl game. He needs to do it in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, I one thing, because you mentioned that that first Super Bowl, I started thinking about Wasp. And I think that the route that he's missing MVS on might be kind of waspy. It's, it's similar. It it's may similar. not be that actual route, but it's that, you know, he's kind of trying to do a post and then he does the outbreaking toward the sideline and yep. that that stinger waspy, waspy route. Yeah. Um yeah, man. I mean, what a freaking game. Uh, maybe my favorite uh, Chiefs game. Uh, part yeah, I loved it. I fucking loved it. Hey, can I say something super controversial? Hmm. I like the Bengals. You like the Bengals? I like them. I like the Bengals. Yeah. And I like the Bengals. I loved this game. I loved everything about this game. I was so fucking jacked for this game. And that's yeah. because, I mean, part of that's because of the Bengals. I like that they talk. I like that they, they fucking bring it. I know they're going to bring it. And I'm, I was terrified most of the game because I fucking respect the Bengals. And I, think I, don't, have... I don't respect the Bills. I don't fear the Bills. I fucking fear the Bengals in this game. I was scared. I mean, they're, they're a great rival. We needed a great rival. And I think the Bengals are a great rival. I don't know if they're going to hang around for however many years, but they're the official rival of right now. And I fucking love playing them. I mean, fucking fourth and six, throwing the ball up, a deep shot play into double coverage. Like, that's 
That's fucking balls. That's putting balls on the table. I like the Bengals. It's fun. It's uh, fun. I didn't want to say it before the game. I didn't want to say it, but it was creeping out of me when I was like, when they're smacking the Bills, and I'm enjoying every single second of it. Like this is how you. This is how you fucking play playoff football. This is a fucking NFL team winning a game. This is how you win. So I was fucking jacked there against them, and I was scared. And that that's what makes it fun. That's what makes the game so intense. Like I. I think we were all in this situation leading up to the game. Nobody could think about anything else but the game. Like, I think Chiefs fans were just obsessed going into it, as they should be. And that's that's fun. That's fun. I know uh, Brandon Kylie did say uh, on their show on Friday that he's like, you know, the hardest part about playing against this team is I actually really like the Bengals. You know, I, I like so a lot of the stuff that you're saying. Like, I love that they – talk shit i love a lot of the players on their team these guys were so fun in college like they play kind of the way that i wish my team would play you know like i love just how this this thing works and i mean guys their uniforms are awesome they are (laughs) they are and they've got all these different cool combinations of uniforms they've got like six different uniforms and the chiefs have three all right like there's a lot to like about the Bengals, and i do kind of hope that having a team that I hate because I kind of like them, but also like, I, I really hate them. I hate that team. I don't want them to be successful. And that is the kind of thing that drives teams to be great. Like, I don't know. And I mean, look, Tom went 10 years without winning a Super Bowl, and Peyton didn't win one until his year nine, you know, um, and so you don't always have to win rings to truly, truly, truly be considered elite, whatever. Um, I think those two pushed each other. And and I know that initially what we thought was it was going to be Mahomes and Watson picked one pick apart. And these guys are going to be dueling it out their whole careers. And maybe it is Mahomes and Burrow. It kind of feels that way. Um, the Bengals are entering scary times, though, man. Oh, they're they're much better than they were last year. Second round, and they have Jamar Chase, and I don't think it because it's so hard to pay two receivers big money. It's so hard to do it. I mean, they can do it. We paid Kelsey and Hill. Yeah, I mean, but this is wide receivers. They will both make more than Kelsey, guaranteed. Can Kelsey's taken less money um, than he deserves? Uh, and I mean, it just, you just have to start making sacrifices, you know, and the Bengals are going to have to make that turn where like their defense is a whole bunch of veteran guys that they went out and signed. And like, I don't know how many people they're going to be able to pay. That's, that's the next challenge for the Bengals is, can you get into Joe Burrow is paid, um, and do what the chiefs are doing? You know, I mean, the, the first decision is don't pay Joe Mixon. They'd be fucking idiots to do that. Oh yeah. I mean, P Ryan is, is a free agent this off season, I would probably like grind money and, and not pay Joe Mixon. I hope there's some back and forth between the teams. That's they need a spicy free agency sighting in there. Like they yeah. signed McCole Hardman or something, something silly like that. Ooh, um, honestly, how about the Chiefs sign Jesse Bates? Thornhill can get out of here. I'll pay a bona fide safety to lead that young core. Um, I mean, I don't know that we want to pay Jesse Bates and Justin Reed, but that would be fun. I would love to see some Chiefs go to Cincinnati and some Bengals come over here to KC. Woo-hoo, that would spice it up to ride. That'd be fun. But, yeah, I mean, the game I'm circling on next year's schedule, first game I'm looking at, Bengals. When do we play them? Like, uh, that might have been the Bills coming into this year. Well, yeah. Do they come to Arrowhead or are they in Cincinnati next year? I am honestly not sure. 
but that's the game I'll be looking forward to the most. Uh, I mean, that's that's the game that like season ticket holders will say, I can sell my tickets to this game and pay for the rest of the package. Um, and and because so many folks are going to be like, I can only go to one game this year. What should it be? The Bengals. Um, it's it's going to be top of mind for every Chiefs fan next year. They are definitely the rival. And that gives the Bills a track to be able to kind of sneak up on both teams, you know. It's at home. It's at home. It is a home game. All right. In Burrowhead. Burrowhead Stadium. Yeah. Um, Burrowhead. Not Joe Burrow. <laughs> that Joe Burrow. <laughs> Burrow. The Burrow. Um, I mean, dude, I could talk to you about this game and this team for many, many hours, but we got to. We didn't even discuss the downfield laterals. Oh my god! Right, we're about to revolutionize the game. We tried to do it. Oh man! Um, How about I... Ronald Jones getting a carry? <laughs> How random was that? I was like, Ronald Jones. <laughs> that was okay. That, that felt like a bridge too far uh, for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, how about just like being in formations where it's like, well, um, the players on the field right now are. Marcus Kemp, Jody Fortson, and Noah Gray. Uh, I mean, like it just—it was—it was absolutely brutal. Hey, um, Noah Gray, a key block on that Mahomes scramble. He kind yeah. of—if he doesn't—he uh, pushes Hilton back. I think it's Hilton. Yeah, it's Hilton. Pushes him back like five yards. If he doesn't, I don't know if Mahomes can reach that sideline, and then either the clock runs out or he doesn't get up yards, or it doesn't—it doesn't prolong long enough to get that late hit. Yeah. Uh, so if he doesn't make that block there on, on the sideline, then none of, I don't think the game winning field goal happens right there. Something that I forgot to mention um, that I do think just kind of accentuated the defensive performance uh, for, for the five sacks that they did get getting over that, that five sack hump where Burrow tends to be terrible um, or at least not, not able to win. He also threw the ball at the ground because the pass rush was in his face four or five times. I mean, it was like, just, I don't have a play. I'm getting rid of it. And it's, and you know, I mean, Mahomes has talked about, it seems like it's something that like Brady really taught him. Um, You just, sometimes you just have to throw in the dirt. Like that is just what you have to do. Like, we're just going to get rid of this play because it didn't work instead of I, every play has to work. No, just give up on some plays. That's okay. Um, and, and so, I mean, it's not like it wasn't smart, but it was literally like, I don't, I can't do anything other than get rid of the ball. Otherwise this will be bad. And I was mad when he did it. Mine was just wrecking it. It was amazing. I was, mad. I was mad. I was like, damn, it's just second and 10 now. Like we had a great blitz on there. Could have had a sack. Could have had him try to do something stupid, but no, he just dirts it right away in second and 10. So, um, I'm happy that Frank Clark got to continue to prove that he is uh, absolutely sensational in the playoffs. Um, he's, he's a hall of fame post-game interview. Um, there's, there's nobody quite like Frank Clark on a microphone after a big playoff win. Uh, how, how about getting the cigar lit by Neil Smith? Yeah. After rocking the, uh, Derek Thomas Jersey at the parade last year. Well, he's got the cigar in his mouth and he's like, they said this, they lied. They said that they lied. <laughs> now where are they crying in the locker room going back to cincinnati <laughs> like and i'm just 
I just love him. I love him. Oh, so- he, and he plants the uh, flag mm. in the at the in the field at one point. That was pretty sweet. Uh, one last thing on the post game, Creed Humphrey going to the concession stand to grab beers. How many Mick Ultras does it take for Creed Humphrey to get drunk? A 300-pound man drinking some 4.0 beers. I'm thinking at least 35. Well, I can I can <laughs> just imagine when he walks into the locker room with all of those Mick Ultras, and people are like, yeah, yeah, hey, beer me. And he's like, no, these are just for me. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, go get your own. Well, and I think he tweeted – uh, whenever he decided to pick up his phone, he tweeted like, I don't know that there's enough Boulevard beer in town. <laughs> like, I'm like, good for you. That guy's drinking some cold beer tonight. Good for at you. Least those will, at least those will do some damage. I mean, Mick Ultras, my goodness. Those yeah. are good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 10, 10 for me to get drunk. I'm like 160 pounds. But that's the athlete's beer, Nick. All right. Haven't you seen the commercials? They're like riding bikes and doing push-ups and stuff. Like, that's why he has such a slim looking body. Yeah. He's pretty svelte. Um, we're going to talk Eagles next week, um, but I, I think I'm I think I'm ready to put the Bengals game to bed. Put on the bed. Night night. To start to think about what it's going to be like to watch our third Super Bowl in the last four years. Um, man, Patrick Mahomes, what a fucking star! Unbelievable. So happy that we have him. So happy that we have this coach. Um, folks, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. The Chiefs are once again fighting for a Lombardi trophy. We're here. We are here. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Chiefs. Who's the best Go join.